Good morning. Welcome to Scarlet City Church. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. My name is Jay O'Brien. I have the privilege of serving as a pastor here. I and others would love to meet with you right after our gathering, give you a gift for joining us. And again, we're delighted to have you as our guest. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, feel free to use your table of contents if you have trouble finding it. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 5, and I want to kind of reorient us uh, in the text we're going to be looking at this morning. This year, we've been walking through the gospel of Matthew. We began looking at the life of Jesus, the events of his life, and what they teach us about him as king. And then we've gone back, and we're looking at the teachings of Jesus. Matthew has five different discourse sections. Those are teaching sections where Jesus is going to talk about and teach what does it mean to be a part of his kingdom. And so we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is one of those sections. And I want to briefly just root us in where we've been and where we're going in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is attempting to answer a very fundamental question, and that is, how does the kingdom of God lead to human flourishing? How does God's kingdom lead to the blessed life. Jesus begins in Matthew 5 with these nine statements of blessing that we call the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And then he ends with, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And the idea of blessing isn't just, um, uh, just some gift from God. The idea is, the, the Greek term makarios and the biblical idea is the act itself is good. It's about flourishing. So one could say flourishing are the poor in spirit. Flourishing are those who mourn. Flourishing are the meek. He just begins this sermon with these nine statements. He's qualifying, what is the blessed life? In October, we're going to go to later in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is going to say how this plays out in a community. What are the ways we relate and treat one another that can lead to flourishing and blessing? And then in January, we'll get to the part of the sermon where Jesus talks about how to live a flourishing life in a world and age of anxiety. He begins by qualifying what is the blessed life. In the future, we're going to get to what this looks like in a community and then how to press on in an anxious world. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Today and the next, for the next four weeks, we're going to look at that bridge between the Beatitudes to the community that God establishes. In our text today and the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, where Jesus he articulates the mission of his people. I'll read our passage. Again, we're going to be in this this week and the next four weeks. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under, feet, under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works 
and glory and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What Jesus is doing here, after qualifying what is the blessed life about, he's going to say he's communicating how to be a blessing to others. How his people can help others to flourish. And so these next four weeks, that's what we're going to press into. And here's what I want to invite you to consider. How can you bless other people? How can you be about the flourishing of others? And we want you to think about that on a very personal level. Personally, what does it look like for you to be a part of helping others flourish? My hope is that all of us, in a few weeks, we would have a little more clarity on how we can do that and why we should do that. And over these four weeks, we're also going to, because we want to make this very practical and concrete, our sermons are going to be a little shorter. I know it's sad. Sad, I know. But we can make it through. Sermons will be a little shorter if all goes to plan. See the clock, you know. Sermons will be shorter. And we're also going to have some interviews where people talk about what does this look like personally to be salt and light, to join in God's work. And so that's what we're inviting you into. And, and we begin with one of the core perspectives of mission in the Bible, beginning in the Old Testament, Jesus to the day. And it's, the, and it's this idea. Jesus says, you are salt. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's how our being shapes our doing. It's not go and do salt stuff. Go be salty. It's not go and be a light. It's an overflow of who you already are in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Abraham puts it this way, or it's put this way to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls this man Abraham, and through Abraham, he establishes his people, the whole Bible, the whole world will be changed through this man. And he forms a covenant. He says this in Genesis 12 too. He says, I, God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. God blesses Abraham, not so he can just sit back and enjoy it, but so that he would be a blessing to the nations and to the world. And here's our big idea that we're, where we're going this morning. Blessing others is an overflow of God's abundant blessing. Blessing others is an overflow of God's abundant blessing in our life. It's an overflow of blessing. Now, when you think of an overflow of, of blessing or God's blessing, what, what comes to mind for you? You know, one, one image in Scripture that is repeated throughout is the idea of a, of a feast, of a feast where the food and the wine is rich and good and just overflowing and blessing. Where you're there with others and you're celebrating and, and there's the fullness of life and joy and togetherness and love and grace are presented in a feast, people together. Now, there might be a few responses we might have in that kind of situation. Some of us Upon being upon in this kind of feast, we might think, man, I hope it doesn't run out. I need to take my cup and hold it to myself. And this food, and I'm a little worried, are too many people coming in and going to 
take some of my portion of this feast. That's when we might be eyeing the, the entrance, worried, counting the number of people who are there, fearing that there might be too many consumers to take away from my inheritance, my portion of the feast. Others of us, we might struggle with this idea because we think God just wants us outside of the room, telling others to go in and enjoy the feast, but not enjoying it ourselves. Some of us want to protect. We're afraid of others taking. Others of us struggle to enjoy the blessing that God wants to bring in our life. And what we see in the scripture and what we see that Jesus is inviting us into is that we experience the blessing of God tangibly in our life. And we experience it to such a great degree that it overflows into blessing and loving and serving others. Blessing is an overflow of God's abundant blessing in our lives personally. And so let's tease that out. I wanted to share two implications for how that truth, truth can impact our life and our mission. Again, the big question is, how can we, how can I be a personal blessing in the world? And we've said that that begins with blessing others as an overflow of God's abundant, abundant blessing. Now, two implications. First, blessing others as an overflow of God's abundant blessing. It means that we must experience the abundant blessing of God. It means we must experience this. And right here, you might, this might be the problem. You might thinking, man, this would be great if God abundantly blessed me. So when that happens, I'll be ready. So let's press in here. You know, some of us struggle to experience the abundant blessing of God because we don't know what the blessing of God looks like. If we were invited to the feast, we wouldn't maybe know we were there. Or know what would be served. Or know what the feast would entail. And I think there's a few reasons. And one of the primary reasons is because we live in the kingdom of man. And in the kingdom of man, there is a particular view about what the blessed life is about. And so we need to know what is the difference between the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of man... There is a view of what the blessed life, of what flourishing would entail. In the kingdom of, of man, we would say things like, Blessed are those who are materially prosperous. People who have material wealth, who they can put on a feast. They don't need to be invited to a feast. They can host the feast themselves. They don't need others. They are materially prosperous. We would say in the kingdom of man, that is flourishing. We might say in the kingdom of man, blessed is the person who is really happy with themselves. They have a high degree of self-esteem. They think of themselves. They, they like to look in the mirror and they love what they see and nothing needs to change. They're just a high degree of self-confidence. We say, that's someone who's flourishing. They don't need to change. Everyone else can change. They need to stay the same. We might say in the kingdom of man, 
Blessed is the person who's strong enough to get their way. They're privileged. They don't need others to help. They're strong enough to get what they want. That's flourishing. Not to have others get in the way. They can do what they want. And this, and really what this is saying, the kingdom of man, the the real principle here is that blessing is primarily about having the ability to consume and protect ourselves from discomfort. A flourishing life is to be able to take a vacation whenever I want. It's the ability to not need others. Jesus presents a different way. A different way. In the kingdom of God, blessing is not primarily about my comfort and protecting my things Blessing is primarily about the ability to enjoy what is given and to serve others, even when it's uncomfortable. That's why Jesus, he begins the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed, not those who are materially prosperous, but blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Luke will be, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who recognize their need. Not those who live apart from me, but those who actually are brought to a place where they understand it. Jesus will say, blessed are those who mourn. People who are able to live in emotional solidarity with others. And in fact, the context there is is grieving personal sin. Blessed are those who are able to lament and grieve the ways in which they hurt others. He'll say, blessed are the meek. Those who are strong enough to use what they have to serve and protect others, not to protect themselves. And I'll close it off with, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. They're strong enough to stand for justice. We see two different views of what the blessed life is about. And so what do we find at the table of the king that Jesus invites us into? What do we find here? What we find is ourselves at a feast with other hurting people and were gloriously accepted, eternally loved, and graciously invited into the presence of God. This is the feast of blessing that God invites all of us into. And there's a second reason many of us don't experience it. Some of us, we just don't know what we'd find. Also, some of us, we don't feel like we're, we don't feel like we're invited We don't feel like we would belong at that kind of feast. And again, going back to the contrast of kingdoms, in the kingdom of man, you're invited to something if what? If you're wealthy enough that you can pay your fee? If you bring enough happiness to the group that we can all feel a little better about ourselves? And if you're strong enough to bring some kind of contribution to make a difference? It's about you in your work, earning your place. Jesus, he offers this invitation. Listen, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And again, thinking through this kingdom, the kingdom of man says, come all who can pay their fee and earn their keep. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, in my kingdom, you're invited, not, because, not if you can pay the fee, not 
because you can prove your worth with your work, but you're invited to just come and rest. In fact, Jesus says, my mission, my work is to alleviate the burden and work on your life so that you can rest in me and my gospel. Everyone is invited to the feast of the king. You are loved and accepted and cherished. And Jesus is proof of that truth and reality. About this time, a pastor who was one of the most influential pastors in the past century in America, Eugene Peterson, passed away. And uh, Eugene was a pastor, an author, and a poet. Very influential man. Uh, published over, well over 30 books. And, and at his funeral, his son shared a letter that he wrote to his dad. And in this letter, it's so interesting, his son Leif, he, he talks about how his dad was the master magician. Everyone thought that his dad always had something new and creative to say. I mean, he published well over 30 books. <laughs> but Leif knew that really he just had the same message said over and over and over again. And Leif closed out the letter that he read at his dad's funeral by saying what that message was, a message that Leif would continue to believe and tell himself well into his 50s. Here's what he said. He said, for 50 years, you, dad, would steal into my room at night and whispered softly to my sleeping head the same message over and over. Here's the message. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he's relentless. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he's relentless. This is the good news that Jesus brings into our life. This is the blessing we're invited into. The feast of God's presence and the ways in which that can transform our whole life from the inside out. Blessing is an overflow of God's abundant blessing in our life. Now, I want to press this one step further. Because the idea of blessing as an overflow, it means that the inner content of our lives matters. It means that what's happening on the inside will overflow into the outside. If I were to take this bottle of water and take the cap off and shake it, should I do it? Water would come out. Why would the water come out? Well, you might, because I'm shaking it. Well, not exactly. It would come out because water's on the inside. In life, what's on the inside eventually always comes out. And when we're shaken, and when we're in the storms, that's not what just produces the behavior, it reveals what's happening internally. God wants to work in the inside out. 
And that begins by us understanding and receiving and experiencing the good news of the abundant blessings that we have in Jesus. That's the first implication. The second implication is that mission is more of an organic process than an organized project. That blessing others is more organic. It's more process than it is organized and a project. Again, Jesus, he says, you are the salt of the world. You are the light or you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And then look at what he wants them to know is that he says, salt, what happens if a salt loses its saltiness? It's no longer salt. If a light's hidden, it's missing the whole purpose. The point being, we need to embody who we are. And if we're no longer living into it in the ways it was intended, then it's of no use. Here, we're reminded that mission is an overflow of what's happening internally, and that means it's profoundly organic. It's not about manipulating a project. And there is a difference. A difference between manufactured mission, manufactured blessing, and organic mission and blessing. Some signs that you're manufacturing mission. Uh, one sign is that we, you feel the need to manufacture emotion. Before doing a good work, we might feel like we need to motivate ourselves with some emotional ploy. Maybe oftentimes churches will use guilt. We'll, we'll want to motivate people with guilt that, man, if you really cared about people, oh, you would, you know, or we might want to motivate people with excitement. Oh man, be a part of something big, something big. We're going to change the city and world. I mean, yeah, you know, it would be nice to just care about changing one person's life, but that's not big enough. We need to manufacture some big cause. So often manufactured mission begins with manufacturing emotion, and then that leads to manufacturing a project. You know, it's not about relationships often. It's about doing something big together. We need a serve fest. Come together on a Saturday and do something big together. And then what it leads to is manufactured results. We want to feel better about ourselves, so we do a project so that makes us so we can measure it and think, wow, we, we made a real difference. We can make a video about this. Getting a little close to home, some of us and some of the churches. This is often manufactured mission. Now, emotion's important and projects have their place and results matter. But if it's detached from the ways God's working in our lives personally to awaken our emotion, if it's detached from relationship and detached from trusting God in his process in the world, we're simply manufacturing. So, and, and this gets to like the summary of ministry. And so I want to share really pointedly at Scarlet City, when we think of organic mission, what do, what do we mean? And we live this out imperfectly, okay? So we're, but this is what we're aiming for. It's football season. Oh, great. Some of you are thinking, great. All right, it's football season. Now we have the sports illustrations back. All right. It's football illustration, and where's the pastor going to go with this in the mission of the church? 
uh, it's football season. And a football team has a coach. I know I'm like totally football splaining this uh, to us. There's a coach, coaches, and they have a playbook. And players, their job is to know the scheme, know the plays, and execute the scheme and the plays. And, um, and the, the, so the player's job is simply to execute. And the coach's job is to come up with the scheme. And when that plays out ministry, the pastors and elders are the coach. And it's the congregant's job to execute the playbook. That's not how we see mission at Scarlet City Church. Our mission, our job as pastors and elders is to empower you to live on mission in the ways God has uniquely called and gifted you to live. Success is not you running our playbook. Success is you understanding the good news of God's grace and how it's worked in your life. That's why we say we're people joining God's story because it's about God's mission, God's story, God's gospel. We're not here to craft some unique vision. We're here to join the vision and mission that God started when he launched the church years ago. And so, what are some ways God has worked in your story that enable you to bless others? Maybe you've been blessed materially. Maybe you've been blessed with a certain skill set. Maybe you have an area of healing in your life. Maybe you are gifted in an area and you can use that to serve and communicate the grace of God in a very profound way. Our job is to empower you to live on mission in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, city, and world. And lastly, as we close, blessing others is an overflow of being abundantly blessed by God. You know, you don't have to have training for this. When you go to an amazing restaurant, they don't have you a handout to teach you how to go and be an evangelist for their food. All right, here's the thing to say. When your palate, you tasted this and it was, no, you just go and do it because it was so good. When you're at a great concert, you don't have to watch some Facebook video about how to go and be an evangelist for the musician or the band. You just personally enjoyed it. And so I was on an overflow of what you enjoyed. You want to tell others about it. I've had the privilege of being a Bengals fan my entire life. I see that Bengals shirt right there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so I have the joy of talking to people about how amazing, maybe this isn't, that didn't connect. <laughs> but when you love something personally, you're an evangelist for what you love. How is God's blessing being revealed in your life? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God who blesses. And Lord, that you want us to experience that tangibly among your people. May that truth awaken us to be a blessing to others. May we experience it personally so we can extend it in personal ways to people whom you love. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, like Jay said, we are really excited because during these few weeks of unpacking what it means to be salt and light, we have these interviews and we get to hear from some people. Oh, thanks, Mike. Hear from some people who, um, here, you want to come on this side? Oh, this is... oh we, we both I have know. stools. I thought you were just giving a stool to the pregnant lady. Um, yeah, so we get to hear from some people who are really passionate about this and who are living this out. And so this morning we have Melissa Reinhardt and she is a 
person who has been a huge encouragement and partner to me over the years in this idea of living on mission. So first, Melissa, will you just tell us, when was it that you first kind of internalized this identity of, I am on mission? This is who I am. Yeah. Um, So I think, I mean, I grew up knowing, like, this passage, like, that I'm salt, I'm light, all those things. I grew up in church, and... This is a different story for a different time, but, like, the way that God, like, I, I, I knew God for a lot of my life, but internalizing the gospel looked, it was a process, just like it is for everybody. Um, but I think when I, when I really captured, like, living on mission and, like, being a missionary, um, it was in college, um, and I, <laughs> I got involved with a campus ministry called Crew, and I, um, I would meet weekly. Once I became a leader, I would meet weekly with this woman who was really excited about like evangelism and discipleship and living on mission. And I hated meeting with her um, <laughs> because she like talked about these things I was really uncomfortable with and she would want me like encourage me to like live on mission in my dorm at Ohio State and think about how I could be reaching out to people around me and want to have spiritual conversations with people and I just felt so self-conscious when I was doing that I felt ill-equipped I like felt uncomfortable I mean I think was like the end of the story and um during those like a couple years in college I really wrestled with those things and ultimately I think what I what God brought me to in that time was like what like first of all what do I believe you know like do I really believe that I was lost and then found, like I was in darkness and brought into the light by Christ that people are lost and need a savior. Um, And if I believe that, then is my comfort more important than like living in a way that allows other people to hear that same message? And it came down to like surrender, you know, like do I, um, am I willing to surrender my own plans, my own ideas for what my life is going to look like, my own comfort, and choose instead to do what God wants me to do, say what he wants me to say, like, um, in the context that he's placed me in. And um, a passage that became kind of like this North Star for my life that Jenny and I talk about a lot is 2 Corinthians 5, um, that we have been reconciled to Christ and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Then it goes on to talk about how we are God's ambassadors, and he's making his appeal to people through us. And I come back to that always, and it has become this, like, signpost in my life of, like, all decisions. Um, But I think I love that because it's, like, amazing in itself that we have been reconciled to God. And then... Not only that, but he invites us to be part of his ministry of reconciliation in the world. And that's this, like, crazy privilege. It's kind of crazy that he chooses to work that way in the world. Um, But he does, and it's cool to be a part of that. And I think as I started to, like, take steps of faith during that season of my life, I saw God work in people's lives, and I got to see him use me, even though I wasn't someone, like, special or someone who had all the answers, but I was, like, willing and he used me, and I got to see, like, have this front row seat to seeing him change people's lives. 
So. Good stuff. So how has this missional identity intersected for you personally with vocation? Yeah, so um, my life has not gone the way that I planned. Um, I would, when I was in college, I was studying to go to grad school to be a speech-language pathologist, and I'm not that now, so um, that's change number one. But I, like I said, in college, I kind of fell in love with ministry Um, And I had the opportunity to intern with the campus ministry for a year at Ohio State. And that became interning overseas, um, starting a campus ministry where there wasn't one. And then, like, yeah, working with the same campus ministry for a few more years, um, which was never the plan. And I, I just think God took me, like, one step at a time in that process to get to that place. And then a few years ago, I um, left that ministry to work for a um, social enterprise in Columbus. Um, It used to be called She Has a Name Cleaning Services, now Clean Turn. And um, I got in that step, had kind of captured my heart for like, you know, there's tons of social issues, lots of complex issues in people's lives. And... um, I had learned about social enterprise, like, hey, this is a way that there can be kind of like holistic um, stability that can come to people's life through employment, people who are coming out of challenges like incarceration, addiction, um, trafficking, homelessness, and not that an employment opportunity solves everything, but it certainly brings some stability and, and an opportunity if it's a healthy employment environment to like grow in other skills like financial literacy and um, interpersonal skills and things like that and so it was kind of an opportunity to to think about okay what does human flourishing like holistically look like Um, and what does it look like to go to kind of broken places and be like invested in in that and in those people um, the same way Jesus did so but I think like like I said, in all these decisions, it's like, where can I glorify God and how can I make him known? And I think where I am now, it is challenging. There are many days it's very challenging. Um, and I think part of like living on mission there means being a good boss, like just being fair, being kind, being respectful to my team and the staff on my team, um, showing good customer service to our customers, like all those things. But I think something I also feel really passionate about is like um, that it's word and like deed and word. And so like there are thousands of opportunities every week where I can like bridge, like verbally bridge the gospel with people that I work with um, just by even talking about why I'm there. Like, I mean, I have to remind myself why I'm there a lot. And so um, if I... Like, and I'm there because Jesus came into broken places, and so I want to be, I want to be willing to do that. Um, and then to offer to pray with people, like women who are trying to get their kids back. What does it look like to just stop and ask them, can I pray for you in the midst of that conversation? Um, I just think there's countless opportunities with the people around us to, like, bring the gospel verbally into those places. And so... Um, and it's never an easy, it's always a choice, um, but trying to like take advantage of those opportunities too. So you've actually kind of talked about this quite a bit already, but is there anything you would add to 
what is your why and mm-hmm. what our why should be for living this way? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I, like I said, my life did not go the way that I would have written it. Um, I had a different plan in almost every way for what my life would look like. Um, And when I look back, though, over the last, like, 10 or 15 years, especially of, like, living on mission, um, I get, like, overwhelmed by the privilege that it's been and the adventure that it's been and the things that I've gotten to see God do, like, in myself and around me. And it's, like, overwhelming to me how good it is. Like, and that doesn't mean that it's been easy. Like, I've wrestled with God a lot, and there have been challenging things for sure. But, um, like, it's so worth it um, because I truly believe, like, in inviting us to be ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ, like, we were designed for that. And when we live into that, we get to, like, enjoy like being in it with God in the work that he's already doing in the world. And like, there's just no way to describe like the joy of that and the privilege of that. Like Pastor Robert last week talked about like sitting across the table from someone who's like hearing the gospel for the first time and putting their faith in Christ. Like there is nothing like that or seeing someone's life completely change um, or seeing someone hold a job for the first time, like for over a year um, at work or things like that, that are like overwhelmingly good. And that doesn't mean like, I would still say that the pull to comfort is still, like, very strong. Um, Like, you know, we just bought a house, and the pull to just, like, do our own thing and make our house look pretty and, like, have our own little cute space is there. Um, And it's a daily decision to, like, surrender, just like I had to in college, to say, like, okay, I'm not just going to live for myself and what's comfortable. I'm going to choose to, like meet my neighbor, and I'm going to choose to, like, bridge into a potentially uncomfortable, like, conversation about Christ, or I, you know, all those things, like, those are always going to be uncomfortable things. I don't think it ever gets, like, less uncomfortable, Um, but when I look, like, I think now, and I'm sure as you go through life living this way, like, there's more and more reason to do it, because I can look back and see, like, why it's worth it. So any last kind of encouragement or challenge for us or even a practical kind of step that we could take as a result of all that? Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about this, like, um, kind of what to leave people with because like Jay talked about, like, it really does start with what we believe and, like, whether we know our identity in Christ and... Um, even like last week we talked about this too, kind of the, the gospel going from our head to our heart to our actions. And so wherever you're at in that, like I think, um, like I would start with thinking like, what do you believe like in your head? <laughs> um, like, do you believe that you're salt, that you're light, that you are an ambassador, that you're a minister of reconciliation? Like, do you believe that 
like you were lost and were found, that people are lost that don't need, know Jesus yet. Um, like, are those beliefs, like, in, like, really there? And if not, then, like, start there um, and really talk to people, like, examine scripture about that. Um, or, like, heart-level things. Like, are you kind of where I was at in college where it's like, I don't really want to. Like, you know, like, I just want to stay comfortable. And, like, the desire and willingness to do it isn't really there yet. Um, then, like, start there and start praying for, like, a willingness to, to be on mission and to be on mission where God has you. Um, and then, like, the action part, like, I mean, it, that really can depend on where you are, too. Um, but it might just mean making cookies and meeting your neighbor for the first time, or it might mean, like, um, having a coworker over to dinner and having, like, a deeper, developing a deeper relationship with the people that God has put around you. Or it might mean, like, taking a step to bridge into spiritual conversation. Like I said, like, it's, I, it's, both. It's like finding ways to serve people and speak the gospel. I don't want people to think I'm just a good person or a good neighbor. Like, I want them to know it's because of what Christ has done in my life. And so, um, like, one of the easy, I, I love questions, if you know me. And um, one of my favorite questions in this is like, you know, or it's not even a question, I guess, but just kind of a statement. Say maybe you were saying what you did this weekend and you mentioned you went to church. I don't know, whatever. Um, paint that scenario. But you just say to your coworker, you know, I've never really gotten to hear, like, what your thoughts are on spiritual things. I'd love to hear that sometime. And that's just a non-threatening way to, like, open the door of that conversation and then follow up, like, over lunch a week later or something. Like, hey, I mentioned this. Like, what are your thoughts here? Um, but if you have, like, anywhere you're at on that spectrum, like the head, heart, hand, like, I would love to talk with you. Like, I love talking to people about this um, because it's been such a journey for me, too. And I really believe it's worth it. And I would love for you to get to experience the joy of that, too. Um, I'm sure Jenny would love to talk to you, too. So truly, like, if you want to talk more about any of those things, then I would love to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this call, for this identity that you have given us. Lord, we pray that you would root this deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts, that we would know it to be true, but that we would believe it deeply, that we would um, walk in it. Lord, we ask that you would grow us from, from whatever place we are. Um, whenever, whatever that point is on that line that we are, Lord, would you meet us there and would you move us forward? In Jesus' name, amen.